welcome to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. I hope you had a lovely Memorial Day weekend. I hope you barbecued. I hope you swam in the ocean and or pool. I hope you enjoyed uh, some nice weather. Uh, speaking of weather, just a quick shout out to all of our fans in Houston. I know we've got some people listening down there in Southeast Texas. Stay safe, please. Looks really, really bad in Houston. And uh, one of those situations makes you remember that soccer's not uh, that that important, really, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, we love it. We talk about it every single day. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not quite the biggest deal. Uh, Austin, the Austin Aztec Stadium, where they play their home matches, completely underwater. Houston underwater. So anyway, stay safe, Houston and and Austin and Southeast Texas and everybody down there getting hit by all of those torrential rains. Please, uh, and, and the floods, stay safe. All right. So today is a big day here at Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. We're going to have our friend David Cartledge in just a couple of minutes to talk about La Liga. We'll wrap up the season. We'll look at Carlo Ancelotti leaving Real Madrid. Is Rafa Benitez going to step in? We've got Sammy Kadira leaving Madrid as well. Maybe that's not huge news for you, but Sammy Kadira, a very good player. Uh, just uh, surplus to requirements. Danny Alves at uh, Barcelona, obviously. Xavi, that situation and his move to... Uh, look, I say, I've been saying Qatar because I read somewhere that that's what American people should say because that's as close as we can get. And then somebody called me out on Twitter and said, no, it's Qatar. So whatever, uh, Ibar, some other situations, some other uh, stories out of Spain, definitely top of mind this morning. We'll do all of that with David. Should be a good discussion. A couple of headlines here before we do that. In MLS, Chris Wondolowski on a 1-1 draw with Orlando City scored a penalty for his 100th MLS goal. Now, I spilled a few words on Chris Wondolowski for my regular ESPN FC, FC MLS wrap-up column that hit uh, late last night, early this morning. And in it, I said it's almost impossible to convey exactly how insane Chris Wondolowski's story is. And I'm not saying that he's the greatest MLS player of all time. I'm not saying he's someone we should build statues to. I'm just saying... If you look at the man's trajectory, it looks at where he came from. He's 32 years old. Okay. He just turned 32 in January. So he's 32 years old. He has 100 MLS goals and he really didn't start scoring goals until 2010. He scored, well, 2009. So he scored 14 goals in 2009 in the league. In. Before that had, you know, oh, I'm sorry, that's not right. 18 goals in 2010. That's what I meant to say. I got my, my columns confused. That's, I was 2010. Broke through, really broke out in 2010. Before 2010, he had seven goals. Seven. So between 2010 and 2015, the man has scored 93 MLS goals. That's, that's insane. Absolutely insane. And, uh, he is, Pretty amazing. Whether he can translate it to the international stage, of course, we we know that that maybe is a little more difficult. But in terms of MLS, the guy is absolutely outstanding. You may have seen this over the weekend, Didier Drogba leaving Chelsea. Chelsea having their parade. I've got a sound clip, by the way, from the parade. I didn't prep Trevor with this at all. This is uh, this is something I came across. This is from the Chelsea celebration parade. Uh, Jose Mourinho on the mic. <laughs> 
Love that. Go, Jose. Uh, Didier Drogba leaving Chelsea may or may not be coming to MLS. I, I, you know, I, I never really believe until the guy's holding up a jersey or a scarf for being introduced at a press conference or somebody reputable who I respect in terms of reporting says it's definitely happening. But the, the rumors are he has an offer from uh, or he's interested in joining MLS. In terms of his contract offers, this is where I'm a little confused because I've seen that Didier Drogba may have a contract offer from NYCFC, but I've also seen that Andrea Pirlo may have a contract offer from NYCFC. And if, I, if I'm doing my math right, that's David Villa, Frank Lampard, there's only room for one more. So I don't know exactly which one they're going after, Drogba or Pirlo. Maybe, maybe I can put that to you NYCFC fans out there. Who would you rather have, Drogba or Pirlo? Who helps you more? Norwich promoted back to the Premier League after just one year away. They beat Middlesbrough in the playoff final. Big, uh, big day for Norwich. Uh, good to see them back in the Premier League. I always like, I have a soft spot for Norwich. We'll see if they can, uh, stay up in 2015, 2016. The, the story of the next two World Cups continue to be, uh, in the, in the minds of people watching the, the development of the game. And certainly as FIFA gets ready to elect, probably not a new president, but elect a president in about three days time. Uh, the story of the next two World Cups and the preparations for them will remain in the news. We obviously have talked a lot about Qatar and the foreign labor, the indentured servitude used to create the stadiums in the cities out of scratch for that tournament. Russia, meanwhile, is looking to cut back on costs. Things have gotten a little out of control. The Russian, uh, the, the ruble's not doing too well. So this is what they're going to do. They're going to they're get prison labor to help cut down costs. The Russian prison service is backing a bid by Alexander Kishinets something, a law, a lawmaker from the ruling United Russia Party to allow prisoners to t- be taken from their camps to work at factories where they focus on driving down the cost of building materials for World Cup projects. Now, they're not going to be directly building stuff. They'll be helping make the stuff that goes into the stadiums and, and everything else. Uh, yeah. Uh, what, whatever works, I guess. Uh, prison labor. Yeah, sure. Uh, just doesn't seem like uh, either of these countries, Russia or Qatar, really cut or excuse me, have their, uh, their ducks in a row and know exactly how to get where they want to go when it comes to building. All right. We'll take a look quickly, uh, at MLS scores. I mentioned Chris Wondolowski scoring a goal in a, a draw for San Jose with Orlando City. You had LA. Late Alan Gordon winner to beat San, uh, beat Houston on Friday night. I took part in a rabble uh, broadcast for Columbus and Chicago. That was a fun game with Jason Johnson scoring the equalizer for Chicago and out of time. Really has to hurt for the Columbus crew uh, that they lo- let uh, two points slip away there. Toronto beats Portland one nothing. Sebastian Jovenko. Sebastian Jovenko. That's amazing. Uh, great strike from him. New England and D.C. draw 1-1. So uh, that clashed the top of the Eastern Conference. Splits the points. Montreal beats Dallas. That's two in a row for Montreal, beating a very good team in, in FC Dallas. Colorado beats Vancouver 1-0. I think that was their first home win since July of last year. Seattle and Sporting Kansas City go goalless. Uh, a little bit of surprise there. Uh, Seattle, um, obviously prolific, and Sporting Kansas City coming off of a four-goal performance in midweek, but they couldn't put one in the net. RSL beats uh, New, York, New York City FC 2-0 on Jason Kreiss' return. Philadelphia with a shocker beating the Red Bulls 2-0 at Red Bull Arena. 
I'm not sure anybody saw that coming. Vincent Noguera, very good. Fabinho, very good. Big day for Philadelphia and Jim Curtin. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will grab our friend David Cartledge and we will talk España. He will be here to talk Barca, Real Madrid, and everything else happening in La Liga. Don't go anywhere. Soccer Morning, WorldSoccerTalk.com. Facing the crowd. You're talking too loud. If you're like me and you're wondering where to watch all of the Copa America games this June and July, I've got the answer for you. It's called Fubo TV. Fubo TV is a legal and affordable streaming service that delivers live and on-demand HD broadcasts of BN Sports, Goal TV, Benfica TV, and more. That means you can watch Copa America, Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, Serie A, and other great leagues from around the world. With Fubo TV, the broadcast stream to your computer, smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Plus, Fubo TV works with Chromecast, so you can cast the games to your TV set. Soccer Morning listeners, I want to invite you to sign up today for a free trial to Fubo TV. And if you love what you see, a monthly subscription to Fubo TV is only $6.99 per month. So sign up at Fubo.tv slash Soccer Morning right now. F-U-B-O dot TV slash Soccer Morning and start enjoying the best soccer from around the world at home and at work. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. Here we're back on Soccer Morning and joined now by good friend of the show, David Cartledge. Covers Spanish football from Spain. Works at uh, BN Sport and at 442. And follow him on Twitter at David, J-A-C-A. David, how are you this morning? I'm very well, thank you. I hope everybody else listening in. Uh, I'm well. sure uh, it's, it's afternoon in Spain. I'm sure the weather is beautiful. Let's uh, let's go through some of the major happenings in uh, in the world of Spanish football. I, I, look, we, we, never, we haven't gotten a chance to talk since Barcelona wrapped up the league. But just a few words from you here on... Uh, sort of the trajectory that the 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 storyline of Barcelona throughout this particular season, because it, it you know it feels as though it was only a couple of months ago that people were really questioning whether this team could get it done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a it was a fateful night. It's it on a wetter in January. Um, it was January third, January second, I think that was, um, and that was the one 0 loss to Real Sociedad uh, to David Moyes' Real Sociedad, and. I think after that, there was there was like a strong call for Luis Enrique to go. There were, there had been rumblings for quite a while of discontent. So you go back to January, and, and, and they look far from a team who could win the league, let alone come away with a, a treble. Mm-hmm. So it, it it has it's been quite the quite the turnaround. It's interesting because back then, as you said, calls for Luis Enrique to go, and now here we are at the end of the season. Barcelona are champion. They have a they have a treble in sight, and instead of instead of Luis Enrique going, it's Carlo Ancelotti going at Real Madrid. Um, the circumstances around his exit—I'm not sure anybody's surprised by this, David—but the circumstances around his exit, this is—is this mutual or is it just Ancelotti flat out being sacked? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's Ancelotti being sacked without without a doubt. But we look at the manner of which it's in which it's happened and and the work he's done there. And it's pretty unfortunate thing. And fine, there won't be people surprised because Real Madrid have done this before, and not even just under Florentino Perez. 
there's been the Carl Baron, there's been another other presidents as well. And it's the nature of the club. That's it's what happens. The results don't come in. And in this case, I think the league, particularly for Carlo Ancelotti, has gone against him. Um, it's been poor performance in the league from him as they have judged it. And the Champions League win last season doesn't really come into things, and neither does a run this season. And they've decided to move on and 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 look elsewhere. Um, and it looks like they're going to go towards Rafael Benitez. This is a little surprising for me. I'll, I'll admit that I, you know, how how do I frame this up correctly? It's not that Rafael Benitez is a bad manager. It's not that I don't think he can succeed. It's that he's not quite on the level that I would expect Real Madrid to turn to after Ancelotti, or in general, for that matter. No, absolutely, and and that is the problem because the feeling was there's okay if there's nobody else better on the market, then they will then the sensible thing would be to to persevere with Carlo Ancelotti and give him another year and hope that these ter- don't forget the terrible injuries that Real Madrid had, mm-hmm. um, integrating this new squad together again and had all the injuries of key players like Modric, and, and things like that happen and I thought they would have maybe given him another year and that's not the case. Benitez, again, he, you know he's a good coach. He's by no means a bad coach, but I completely concur with what you're saying about his level isn't perhaps what you'd expect. Um, and I think it, it is it's a strange... I think it's an underwhelming appointment after somebody like Ancelotti's gone who's, who's so well-liked by the fans, by the players. Uh, and I think there was a few... Like many people in, in terms of staff internally he's really liked, but the men who matter didn't want Ancelotti around anymore, and, and then that's pretty much the line under it. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I think it, it kind of shines a light on the fact that they're, they're for, for some of these, for the biggest clubs in the world, Real Madrid, Barcelona, uh, Bayern Munich, I suppose you could throw Manchester United into this mix, uh, especially considering their struggles with David Moyes last season. Th- there's, only, there's only a handful of managers who reach, and it's not just about how good they are as managers or as coaches, David, it's about their personalities, it's about handling that spotlight, and it's about mm-hmm. being able to to reflect the size of the club in their personality, and so they bought they painted themselves into a corner. And I don't know what that list looks like, but it's Pep Guardiola. Um, it's you know who else is on Jose Mourinho, obviously, but that's it. Who else is on this list? And when you burn through a guy like Jose, and you're not going to bring Pep Guardiola in, where do you turn? And you turn to Rafa Benitez. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people said uh, Jurgen Klopp. Um, sure, because yes. he's leaving Dortmund, yes. but I think the I think the, the the language barriers would would perhaps come into in, into play with Jurgen Klopp again, another exciting coach. But I think Real Madrid also are, are clubs, prospective clubs in terms of the big clubs. Maybe need to see if he can excel away from Borussia Dortmund. If he can go somewhere this year at another club, maybe another a club maybe in a similar level to Dortmund, but in a different country, and see if he can excel, mm-hmm. work outside his uh, his limits, and, and then they'll maybe judge it. But I expect Benitez to be given only a year contract, and then and then that will be it. If he's given anything longer than that, I'll be I'll be stunned. Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned Barcelona in that group, but obviously they 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 took uh, they took a, a chance on Luis Enrique, and it, and it's and it's worked out. Um, and before that, you know, Tata Martinez. So maybe it's a little different at Barcelona than it has been at some of these other big clubs. But would you? I mean, obviously you have no vested interest in in Real Madrid here, and I imagine that they have. Um, they feel a certain burden, or at least the president feels a certain burden to reach out and grab a name people know. But would you rather Real Madrid go in the direction of maybe plucking a, a younger coach or somebody who 
has only uh, who whose experience is at a uh, maybe at a lower level or a smaller club and give them an opportunity? Yeah, I mean it is. I mean it is the ideal scenario. It is nice. You like to see young uh, a young coach get a, get his chance. And we're talking about somebody like Klopp, you know, for instance, who's very exciting and he could maybe learn the job a little bit. But Real Madrid really haven't got time for that. I, I think they could think that Rafa Benitez can come in. The squad is pretty much out there. Pretty much going to remain ninety percent the same. There's going to be the odd movement. I think I don't think there's going to be any major changes. I think the major changes will be in, in terms of system, in terms of mentality, the way the team approaches games. I don't think we're going to see the explosive football as much as we saw under Ancelotti, which Ancelotti, I thought, delivered superbly. Um, you know, and I don't think we're going to see that anymore. I think it's going to be more back to the, the Real Madrid of old. It's going to be your you 1-0 and 2-0 wins, I think, and, and, and relying on that, on, on that power and that, the, the, tactical prowess, the tactical prowess of Benitez, really. He's a very tactical, meticulous manager in the way he sets up his teams, set pieces and things and, and such like that. So it'll be returned to that environment, I think. Mm. A little bit less expressive Real Madrid in the yeah. future. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for that to be a problem and for his uh, for him to be <laughs> under pressure at, at Real Madrid. All right, uh, before we move on, we've got to be, besides uh, Barcelona in a Champions League final, Sevilla is in a, uh, a Europa League final coming up. That's uh, tomorrow, I believe you said. Um, mm. And so before, before I do that, before we turn away from Real Madrid, you mentioned very few exits from the club i imagine sammy Kadira doesn't even rate at this point which is amazing uh but it isn't even rate as a major defection and uh he is he will be leaving this summer yeah i mean it's it felt like i think his head has been elsewhere all season <laughs> and i think he could have gone in january quite easily and, and nobody would have really noticed him slipping out the back door but it looks like he is gonna yeah i mean it's, it's certain he will leave and it's just a case of him picking a club it looks at this point likely to be Juventus. So let's talk about Sevilla as they look to um, to win the, the Europa League title. They've had Dinapro uh, in Warsaw. Dinapro is obviously an, a, an amazing story considering uh, not being able to play at home in this tournament mm. and, and reaching a final, the first one ever for the club. Uh, but Sevilla have to be heavy favorites. Yeah, of course they have to be. I think they've been spectacular. They were, they were okay in the group stage. I was a bit concerned for them in the group stage. They kind of plodded along, but... It, it's since they have, uh, since they have went into the knockout stage, they have faced some difficult teams, but they have, they have passed through them. Jason, a, a team excellent from Germany, you know, Fiorentina again, another good side. But, and they've won eight of their last nine matches in the Europa League now, Severe, and they are looking extremely strong and extremely exciting. There's been a Spain call up today, and there's a new goalkeeper from Sevilla in there who's been promoted this season, a young kid, lots of similarities to David De Gea. They've got Alex Alex Vidal and Vitolo. They picked them up from, from next to no money, and they've, they've turned them into stars in their own right at Sevilla's level. And it, it's quite incredible what they've done there. And uh, somebody like Eva Benegar as well, who's such a, an enigmatic character. You're never quite sure what you're going to get. He's incredibly talented, but he never usually produces. But he's had a magnificent season, and he's he's really led the team well this year. Uh, and so let's uh, let's turn back to Barcelona, who uh, again have a chance at a treble here. They've locked up the La Liga. Title again. Uh, they've uh, they're in the Champions League final. They have Copa del Rey. Meanwhile, this story with with Dani Alves. It, it seems that maybe he's um, he's speaking out publicly about about how he feels about his treatment at the club. No one will deny that he is an incredibly important piece. And I, I don't know. Give the man the money. I mean, what exactly is going on here? Yeah, um, I think Danny Alves, after I mean, the press conference yesterday, was I don't know, it was classic Danny Alves. It was his character. He didn't really care about the authority around him, and he spoke out, he spoke his mind, and 
he, I think the key factor was he made the definition between the team and the club. He is he is two hundred percent committed to the team on the field. He will he will play as well as he has all season. He's been very good this season. I know he he has his detractors, but I think that's also for merits off the field. They maybe don't like Danny Alves, the character, the, his extrovert dress sense, things like that, his Instagram posts, things like this that mean absolutely nothing if he performs on the field and he always performs on the field. So he has been excellent. So the team, he's committed. But he made the point, the club haven't taken care of him. They haven't respected him. This is the best right back in the history of Barcelona as a club and they haven't really respected him in the manner they should. Especially with the transfer ban coming up, it leaves them in a in an odd predicament as well. Especially with somebody like Martin Montoya, who, who looks likely to leave, and and Douglas, who has been a a bizarre sign, I'll say. That transfer ban, uh, you know, it, it actually slipped my mind. Obviously, uh, Barcelona had a stay of uh, gotten a stay through uh, their appeal of the process, but it's been held up. What exactly does that mean for Barcelona? Yeah, they just won't be able to sign. It's pretty much that they won't be able to sign the summer after their after their signing of, of miners over recent years, which were against the, the FIFA guidelines. Basically, it's, it's left them in a position where they won't be able to sign this summer. So, what they might look to do is is look at players uh, and because I mean the press, uh, I think the press forget them as a band sometimes as well because they get they run away with so many stories. Like Paul Pogba will go to Barcelona and things like this. So they have to keep producing their stories and saying that Barcelona will sign these players. So maybe what they will do, Barcelona, is look to have a word with players and say, look, you can have an extra year at this club, but could you maybe sign something with us? Could you maybe give us word that you'll come and join us once we're allowed to sign again? So it's, it's pretty much like that. Interesting. Uh, I got something to hear on Twitter, David. I might as well throw it in. It's our friend Vince in Toronto. He wants to know what you made of make of uh, Deportivo La Coruña's season. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's been an interesting season for Depot, and and you know it was it was right into the wire on the on the last day. They've the Depot are a funny club. There's just not much structure there in terms of in terms of foresight for the long term, and it's annoying for fans because every year they're in this sort of situation. They're either going down to the Segunda or they're coming back up, and then they're fighting for their lives, and there's not much stability there. I think they're they're badly run. Their owners are very very poor. I don't think Depot. Are, with much respect as a, as a club by their owners and I think it could be a much better situation um, for them but yeah they've survived so they'll keep it, they'll get a nice bit of money and they'll be back in the league next year so but they've got to learn from past mistakes they've got to start signing better players they've got to start working the market better but I think they've got a good young manager there and I think they should um, persist with him David, I want to go back to uh, some some old news at this point, and that's the the TV money distribution uh, in Spain and the the law that was passed and the response. Of, first of all, I know it's a complicated situation with with different uh, groups involved, including the league, the government, the sporting ministry, the players. But I want to come to the players because they threatened to strike a couple of weeks back towards the end of the uh, the season. Um, and, and were not able, allowed to, to go ahead with that strike. A court order from a judge, uh, kept them from doing so. So now all their leverage is gone. Is there any chance the players, and I believe this is about, again, distribution of, of the money between, uh, top level players and, and maybe second division players. What, what can they do now? Yeah, it's, it's a case of, it's, it's more, the thing is, every time that they are going to try and strike, there's going to be a hearing, um, and, and the High Court are going to always rule it out. I think they're always going to favor, favor the, the men in power, basically, who are, who are squabbling. 
the likes of Villa and, and Javier Tebas. The, so Villa is the head of the RFEF, uh, who are the players, and then, of course, Tebas is the head of the Spanish Football League. And, and, and as long as they are still warring and they don't come to an agreement, this will occur again. And I guarantee I will be on the phone to you next season and we'll be discussing exactly the same story and there yeah. won't have been much movement in it. it well, I, I, I guess for me, I mean, the I, I just wonder from an American perspective... Um, I, I just, I, I guess I don't understand why the players are, um, restricted from striking by a judge's order and what would happen if they just chose not to play, uh, in defiance of that order. Yeah, I mean, the initial, initial rule, the, the actual reasoning from the court, the strike, they basically said it would, it would be great organizational disorder. And I mean, Spain isn't the most organized place anyway, so I think a bit more organizational <laughs> disorder wouldn't really be out of place. Right. Um, but that, that is the official line, the great organizational disorder, and they just feel it would, it would disrupt things um, far too much, basically. <laughs> so, so, but if the players, again, yeah. if the players decided to defy that order, are we talking about what, jail? Are we talking uh, fines? We're talking, we talking, we talking, yeah, we're talking big fines, players maybe contracts being ceased, and it, it could really go on and on. There, there is so many loopholes and so many ways that this could still go, and there, is, there hasn't been any movement, but it just doesn't surprise me because the strike got called off, and then it's swept under the rug for the next time and it will occur again. And, and again, uh, and I don't think the players will ever go that far to, to ignore it. It will always, it will always be because I think that they'll be scared of what, what could happen to them. Hmm. Uh, speak. Okay. Speaking of obviously the, 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 the money of the distribution of, mo- of TV money in Spain is a, is a big deal because uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid control so much of it or, or, or take so much of it and sharing the pie a little bit better should help some of these other clubs. And I'm going to use that as an entry point here to what I've seen about Elche potentially uh, being uh, relegated for administrative failures and, and, and for de- for their debt. Now, you indicated to me before we came on the air that this might be a little bit overblown and it might be scare tactics, but certainly there's something to be said for the debt that Elche's had to take on to stay where they are. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the, the club owes, I think, it's a total of 15 million euros um, together, so that's nine million to the to the Spanish inland revenue, the, the taxman, and then the rest is to to certain players in the squad. Um, and, and again, this is on on Monday. There's going to be a decision on this, and we'll see if they are relegated for, for non-payments, um, basically. And they would be relegated to the Segunda, and Ibar, who uh, were relegated the weekend, would take that that place as the next best place club. And and Ibar was relegated despite uh, despite having the same number of points as two clubs ahead of them and a better uh, goal differential. So, what is the tiebreaker in Spain? I'm confused. The head to head. That's right. It's head to head. I mean, I, I guess if that's just the way it is, then Ibar has to accept it and and move on and go to the Segunda and try to get back, but. Is there any sense at all in, in Spain that that's a little unfair based on the entirety of the season rather than head-to-head against those two other teams? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think there's a lot of, you know, you know people have looked at the way teams go down like that or, or another place in the league is sorted by that manner, especially with relegation. And it's it's not really a, a fair way of doing things. It, it, it just doesn't really look right. I mean, you look at Depo's record towards the end of the season as well, and, and it was really cool, but it doesn't matter because, the, uh, because of the head-to-head. Then 
that's how it went for uh, went for Ibar. Um, and then I think Elche as well. With Elche, it would be unfortunate because it should always be matters on the field that sure. yes. settle right. settle this. And, and they have been mag- absolutely magnificent. Their, their players haven't been paid for three or four months, but they were still churning out results that the other teams down there could not as well. They were they were fighting, and it was it was incredible um, to see from their players. So mm. it was enormous respect to them. Uh, let's, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit here before I have to let you go about Xavi Hernandez leaving Barcelona, headed to, headed to Qatar, Qatar, whatever. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I, I talked a little bit about this last week and wondered if MLS missed out on, on Xavi, but I'll, I'll put that to the side because I think what, what obviously is more important is just taking stock of, of Xavi the player, what he meant to Barcelona, his influence in some of the greatest teams we've ever seen, David. And, and I imagine that that's, a lot of what's pouring out, especially, uh, especially, especially in Barcelona and Catalonia right now. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. He he is he is Barcelona, and and for for many, he he is football in Spain as well. I think people forget before this this generation came around, the likes of Xavi in that generation, Iniesta, Xavi Alonso. You know, um, Spain had talented players, but they could never they could never win anything. And then this generation came around. And I think Xavi represented them and this football more than anything. And and for me, he he is the most important and and best Spanish football player ever. And I I don't think he can get any higher praise than mm-hmm. than saying that about him. I really don't think. I mean, there will be a lot of things said about him, but I think that's what you have to remember: his place and history in Spanish football, not just for Barcelona as well. Um, he changed the style of a club. Of a national team, uh, football in an entire country. That I mean, that's huge. That's that's his legacy. It doesn't become any bigger than that. It's that, that it, that's bigger than a trophy. That's bigger than anything like that. So he he changed football in Spain. It, that's certainly true. I mean, I think that um, for anybody who either either sort of glossed over or missed, um, you know, certainly Barcelona's predominant years, but also Xavi coming up. I mean, that's that for a lot of people, that's long enough ago that that maybe they weren't paying attention, or especially on the in this side of the pond, David. The the there it's easy to to lock in on the goal scores. Everybody knows Messi. Everybody knows uh, Ronaldo. But when it comes to players like Xavi, with the, his influence from midfield, maybe they missed out on him. Um, I, you said he's maybe the most important Spanish player ever, but is that um, you know is that reflective of him individually of Barcelona as a club? I mean, wh- where do you where do you sort of how do you sort of um, sum him up in terms of uh, his development and, and and how quickly he became so important to both club and country? Yeah, I think the main thing is Barcelona and Spain they strive for the same sort of football, this possession based football that that brought so much glory for Barcelona and for Spain. And and they and these trophies didn't come about, they didn't come because of because of Messi. He he Messi was the end point. But the beginning point and in the middle of it, that knitted it all together was always Xavi. Um Messi has obviously developed the last few years. He he, he offers more to the team now. He drops back in creative midfield and so on. But Xavi has always been central to the football of Barcelona and Spain. You had players around him, but it was everything went through Xavi. He was he was the commander on the field. He was the organizer, and and he he professed the football better than anyone could. He explained it better than anyone could, and you didn't have to maybe do it with words. You just needed to watch him in training. You just needed to to watch how he was in the game and how he played the game and how he viewed the game, and that was enough for people. And and that, and that is why he he is such a legend um, in in terms of the football in Spain because 
he helped that get across. Without him, I don't believe these ideas and this and the generation would have been successful um, without him. No do, you, do you do do you think that the move um, the move to El Sad is diminishes him in any way? I mean, I think that's probably unfair, David. But but you know, sometimes we do see great players. Maybe they move on to a lower league, or they they, they decide to take a, a a final paycheck. It certainly can look like that, and, and we don't always judge them appropriately. We give, we judge them a little harshly for making that decision. Do you think that's the case with Xavi? I'm I'm bitterly disappointed if I'm uh, from a personal opinion that that he has decided to to go to Qatar. I don't really I don't really see any sense in it. I mean, from a money point of view, okay, there is, and then obviously there will be the line that he wishes to progress football in the country. Um, I understand that they, you know they they've got a competition coming up. They are trying to progress the football in that country and get more spotlight on them. So they need a big figure like this. I completely understand, but I think his talents would have been used far better elsewhere. I think MLS, of course, would have been wonderful. I would, uh, it would have been lovely for, for you know, for the for the MLS fan base, for MLS's fan base to to see Xavi. And even now, he can he can still offer that. And I think it would have been it would have been fantastic. And that, that was the ideal move. I, I thought, I believed, and it's a shame he hasn't covered. Uh, well, the the story is that he's uh, you know he's, he's going to be able to to run an academy while he plays. I imagine it's going to be a slightly different situation than if he had come over here, David. I mean, regardless of where the the football compares MLS to uh you know to Europe and, and La Liga and the Champions League certainly uh it's going to be of a more intensely physical type of um effort than than maybe at Al Sadd and, and maybe that's for a guy who's 35 and and probably sees a future in football in some other capacity maybe that's why he made that decision yeah i think i think at the end of it, there's a, there's going to be a coach and a managing job potentially at the the Qatar national team and another little things like that were what are involved in the whole deal so yes there's definitely an, an end goal there i think from this day uh, regardless uh certainly can't say anything bad about Xavi Hernandez on the field an amazing player david cartledge an amazing guest here on soccer morning uh, david appreciate your time as always uh david j a c a on twitter make sure you're following him uh thanks for the time again david Thanks very much. Really enjoyed it. Right, let's take a break. When we come back, open up the phone lines, talk to you. MLS storylines. Johnny Bornstein scored a goal for Corretero that's putting put them in the final. Johnny Bornstein. Be right back. If you're like me and you're wondering where to watch all of the Copa America games this June and July, I've got the answer for you. It's called Fubo TV. Fubo TV is a legal and affordable streaming service that delivers live and on-demand HD broadcasts of BN Sports, Goal TV, Benfica TV, and more. That means you can watch Copa America, Barca TV, Real Madrid TV, Serie A, and other great leagues from around the world. With Fubo TV, the broadcast stream to your computer, smartphone, tablet, Roku, or Amazon Fire TV. Plus, Fubo TV works with Chromecast, so you can cast the games to your TV set. Soccer Morning listeners, I want to invite you to sign up today for a free trial to Fubo TV. And if you love what you see, a monthly subscription to Fubo TV is only $6.99 per month. So sign up at Fubo.tv slash Soccer Morning right now. F-U-B-O dot TV slash Soccer Morning and start enjoying the best soccer from around the world at home and at work.
Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. There we go, back on Soccer Morning, taking your phone calls. 646-832-3909 here on a Tuesday, a memorial, the day after Memorial Day Tuesday. How much soccer did you guys take in this weekend? We had Friday night, we had Saturday, the game's on Sunday. I, there was The playoff final was yesterday. So really, you could have spent the entire weekend, your long holiday weekend, just doing nothing but watching soccer. But if you live in a place where the weather was decent and it was pretty damn good where I am, and I imagine if you're in San Diego or L.A. or certain uh, certainly semi-tropical locales around the country, you had pretty good weather. I don't know. It's I think it's hard sometimes to sit inside and just soak up all that that soccer. I mean, you, you have to. You, you're a fan. You make time to watch. You pick your team. You go watch your team. That's what you do when the weekend comes around. And you only have so much time to budget. You go, all right, uh, all right. So I got a, I got this game to watch and this game to watch, and this, and then you, you you decide, okay, well, if it's you know it's 85 degrees and sunny, maybe I don't want to sit here all day and watch soccer, or maybe I can't. Maybe I, you know, maybe I need to get out and enjoy life a little bit. I did that. A li- I did. I watched soccer, but I did that too. I don't know if I feel. I should feel guilty about. It. Did I miss? Do I? I feel like I maybe I missed something. I don't know. I don't know where to feel it. And we just uh, uh, last week I sort of asked people. You know how does M- how should MLS start maximizing? a weekend like Memorial Day. Shouldn't MLS be doing something more? Shouldn't it be soccer on Memorial Day itself? But then I looked at it and I thought, well, wait, no, people are outside barbecuing and swimming and playing games and kids are running around being crazy. Maybe that's maybe you just don't have the audience. Maybe people won't sit still for, for an hour, for two hours to watch a game. Maybe that's the problem. 646-832-3909. Tim on Twitter, being a very a very testy individual. Our NASL scores not news. Of course they are. NASL scores are news. The New York Cosmos won a game, right? They won three nothing over San Antonio. Cosmos took down the defending champions three nothing. It's pretty uh pretty solid result there for New York Cosmos. Carolina beat Fort Lauderdale. I saw that. I I saw that score. I didn't watch that game. Minnesota United three two over Jacksonville. That looks like it was a thriller. FC Edmonton dropped four on Atlanta and won four two. You had a good quite a quite a little goal fest at NESL this weekend. Quite the uh, quite the explosion of goals. If you want to talk NASL? Call me up six four six eight three two three nine zero nine. I'm not going to talk about it if nobody else wants to. Did you guys see that TFC fans were in mourning this weekend? They were in mourning. They weren't protesting. No, 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 no. They weren't protesting. They were in mourning. Because they now have to share their stadium with the Toronto Argonauts of the CFL. Black Saturday. Rip Bemo. Keep your promise. Get off arts, land, something. I don't know. Lots of black shirts and signs. TFC fans not happy about having what was supposed to be a dedicated soccer stadium 
not only for them, but for the national teams as well, the dedicated national stadium of uh, Canada, or at least, you know, you cycle through it, you use it when you need to. Because I think they, you know, I think they rotate games up in Canada. Not only that, but so so not only for TFC, but for the national team as well. Now it's got it's got that gridiron stuff coming in. And MLSE, the owners of TFC, have said, "Hey, you know, we're going to work real hard here to make sure that the stadium, the the field stays pristine. You don't see any football lines." You're not going to even real realize that, that the Argos play at BMO Field. And I'm a little torn on this because I, I think that sometimes soccer fans are a little too precious about this stuff that maybe we need to learn to share. Now, I'm not, I'm not Canadian. I'm not, uh, I'm not from Toronto, and I don't have a dog in this particular fight. And it's, it, is, it is maybe a little bit more nuanced than it would be here in the States because of some of the elements of play. But I think I would be annoyed, but understand. Maybe I don't know. Where would you Where would you come down this? I mean, we've got so many stadiums in this country, so many new soccer stadiums that are being shared with football teams anyway. Like maybe maybe Houston fans can commiserate with TFC fans. It's not quite the same thing in the state, and the the seasons are different. That's part of the problem. Robert in LA, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, friends. Good morning, buddy. What's going on? Hey, uh, I was talking about uh, uh, last week of the EPL and how it was across uh, 10 different channels. And I don't know if you um, uh, saw the Deadspin article of all the, the people complaining that their um, uh, rerun shows were, um, uh, yeah. were being uh, well, taken I, over. I, Robert, I saw something very similar at Soccer Gods. So, whatever. Same thing. Oh, okay. It's just I was watching uh, one of the games on uh, before. And I don't know if you got the tweet I sent you, but it was like them trying to explain the, the last week, did you uh, by chance get that? I did, I did. I, I looked at it. I, well, this was on M- MSNBC. Yeah, it okay. was. Uh, I was watching uh, the Manchester City game just to see them. Uh, just I was just watching it to that curiosity. Yeah. This is and a- they were explaining it. And remember when I called last week and they were. Um, uh, it's, I was trying to explain how the local media was going after LAFC. Yeah, this one was more hilarious. Yeah. This this makes no sense for anybody. For I'll, I'll retweet this. This is from uh, this is from Robert in L.A. He's he's got a screenshot of something that was on TV. He said in L. I mean, whatever. It it's it's. I don't even know if I could properly give this do this justice. It says, it says European football. Parentheses we think dot dot dot. Then it says, preseason exhibition matches FA Cup. Then it says top leagues, Premier League, and has the Union Jack instead of the English flag. Uh, the 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 uh, cross. What is that? What is the English flag? What's what state? What saint do they? Uh, George Saint George's cross. Uh, La Liga, Syria, League One, Liga, and Bundesliga. Okay, somewhat okay there. Uh, lower leagues, league championship, Segunda, Syria. So they're trying to connect the lower leagues for each one of these top leagues. Then it says other leagues, and it just says champions. Then it says cups, FA Cup, Euro Cup, <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> oh, Robert, that's just hilarious. Yeah, but it was, it was, they were explaining that if you win, like if you win your league, you'll go into the World Cup and the European <laughs> Cup. And it was, uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm being serious. 
Look, this, this is the one thing that is most frustrating to me as a soccer fan. And I think it's, look, if, if you met somebody who had never heard of the NFL or never heard of Major League Baseball, you might have some trouble sort of explaining how the structure works. Maybe especially baseball because you got two leagues, but they're, they're not really, they're not really connected, but they play interleague sometimes now and blah, 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 blah. But soccer is so vast and so complicated that sometimes I just, I, I like just give up. I'm like, there's co- there's club, there's country, there's this. I, I, sometimes you just, you, you gotta live it to understand it, Robert. Yeah, I understand, but, you know, I, I, I hope that they do more of it. I mean, you know, and they put more games on, like, the USA and the Bravo just to make more people angry. And I, I just, like, think the whole thing, like, on Twitter of them complaining is so hilarious. Yeah, that, that's stuff. And I, that's what I was just calling on. Yeah. And I, that's, that's all I'm uh, Thanks I for uh, taking my call, Appreciate it, Robert. Show. Good stuff, man. Look, um, you know, the people complaining when they wake up and uh, their rerun of uh, 48 Hours isn't on or whatever they show, I, I, I don't, whatever. Those people can go, they, they can go away. Vince in Toronto, what's up? Hey, Jason, how's it going? Uh, it's going well, man. What's, uh, what's up yeah, with you? you? Know, um, I want to talk some, some, some Wanda with you guys, you know, um, uh, he's, he's, he's always been probably like since I started watching Major League Soccer, one of my favorite players because he's always just, he's, he's really good at what he does and he's always come off as such a likable guy. Like, yeah. He, he seems like the most down to earth, uh, uh, MLS superstar there is, I suppose. Complete, uh, completely humble. But, you know, completely and, humble. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, my, my, my perception of him will always be skewed because I am Canadian. So, you know, and and this is part of it too. Like, do you believe Wando will will get the respect he deserves from fans, or will you know what happened to him uh, at the World Cup always be there? Because you know, as soon as MLS put out, you know, Wando, congrats on reaching 100 goals. Every single comment was, "Oh, he's terrible." You know, this guy cost us a World Cup and uh, th- th- things of that nature. Right? Really disrespectful stuff. Even yeah. with, with you know when his dad put out uh, the blog post, right? Just people like no respect for a guy who. Who's, who's made you know a century of goals in MLS? Something not many players do, yeah. um, and it's tiring too. Do you think that it's it's pervasive in the American soccer communities? Wando always going to have that that reputation of the guy who who uh, who cost us a victory against Belgium. Um, I hope not. I hope that time sort of uh, heals that wound and that people can come to appreciate him again. If you can remove the emotion from it, and if you can forgive or forget that miss against Belgium. And, and look, it's a bad miss, but it doesn't define him as a player for his entire career. If you could take that out and just, again, just look at, at, at the, how fast he came on and how, um, how consistent he's been since he became a top level school scorer in MLS. And we're talking again, 2010. So we're, we're into the sixth season and he scored, you know, again, 93 goals in those six seasons so far. I, 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 it's it's stunning. I think I think I think you're. I think that it's the it's the miss, but I also think it's the humble nature. I think the fact that he plays for San Jose, which is out of the spotlight so much. Um, I think that there are a lot of factors as to why he's not appreciated, uh, Vince. And maybe time will fix that. Maybe ten years down the road, people will finally begin to say, "Wow, how amazing was Chris Wondolowski? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I, I want to say it was, you know, Doug McIntyre, someone put out, you know, Wando will most likely get called up to the Gold Cup. And immediately you had people just, oh, no, he's terrible. He's, you know, he's a horrible player for the U.S., conveniently forgetting. In 2013, he was, he was a golden boot winner, I believe, with, with Donovan, 
and I want to say G- Gabby Torres or, or what have you. Um, uh, and, you know, whenever people bring up, you know, that miss, I just tell them, you know, why aren't you criticizing Dempsey for being given a ball on a platter by Wando when the U.S. did that, that really cool free kick and being unable to lift it over Courtois? Or, you know, I, I didn't see this one, but another person pointed out, you know, Jermaine Jones missing an easy chance. Yeah. Or, you know, Beisler getting caught napping by De Bruyne, and then he, he slips, and then, you know, that causes the first Belgian goal. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. There, there's lots and, of know, goats. And, and it's easy to forget those, right? There's because, you know, all the goats. highlights showed Wando right there, uh, uh, you know, mi- mi- missing that shot. But, you know, it, it's unfortunate because I, I really like the guy, and he, he's, he, and, and it works against him that he hasn't won titles or things of that nature. I mean, I do believe he has a supporter shield with San Jose. Uh, but, you know, people compare him to Donovan and Donovan's record. And, you know, obviously Don, Donovan's a dynasty with, with the LA Galaxy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. And what you mentioned about San Jose, Jason, that, that's a testament to himself playing, uh, in, in, with the team and in a system too, sometimes under Watson last season where, uh, goals were at a premium. And, you know, he, he essentially shouldered the entire offense of, uh, of, of a team that was struggling to, to put the ball in the back of the net. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's a way. Again, I mean, you can sort of you can identify that Chris Wondolowski is not a transcendent talent in the same way that Landon Donovan sometimes was. Not always. Landon Donovan went through some serious problems with consistency uh, during both his club and and uh, international careers. But you can certainly say that among the great MLS goal scorers, I, he deserves to be there because he, and and you you shouldn't. You shouldn't look at that and and ding him and say he's a terrible player because he had one miss. I mean, you know, again, whether or not he's good enough for the international game, eh, okay, maybe not. But that doesn't take away from the fact that in a league where only nine people have ever scored 100 goals, he scored 100 goals. I mean, that's still impressive. And, and you know, I know that in this sport, too often we judge players by on by where they go after MLS instead of where they are what they do in MLS, and that's part of it too, Vince. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, I look at the MLS legends who we like to talk about, right? Most of them weren't anything special at international level. I mean, the only two main guys I can think of who were stars in MLS and contributed at a high level for their national team uh, in goal scoring was Dwayne De Rosario and Landon Donovan. I mean, I don't really consider Dempsey on that because Dempsey played a lot in Europe. Um and you look at Jaime Moreno, the guy was pretty barren when he played for Bolivia. I think he has like nine goals and 76 appearances, which isn't that good. Um, well, I'm not sure so, Bolivia. You know, I mean, I'm not sure Bolivia was... That's the level of MLS, right, right. Jason? I mean, yeah, people right. talk about succeeding at the CONCACAF level. And, yeah. I, and I agree that Wando's, that's his echelon in terms... And, but that's all the U.S. needs him to be. I mean, sure, for the Gold sure. Cup, yeah. he should be able to contribute, you know, in a meaningful fashion. I mean, they're not expecting him to put in, you know, a hat trick against Germany. No, that's not what Wando's yeah. there for. Uh, I, you know, I was going to say that I, I'm pretty sure D.C. United was better than Bolivia back when, when Jaime was playing for them. So, <laughs> you know, I'm sure that that's part of it, too. you got to have the teammates to help you. Um, very quickly, Vince, before I let you go, how is your, how is your MLS historical knowledge? How would you rate it? Uh, it's... Uh, it's, it's all right. I mean, oh, I, I know all the big, the big players. Right, like, so, I know that Hugo Sanchez played in MLS. Okay, and, you know, okay. If I, if I asked you to name all nine 100 goal scorers in MLS history, could you do it? Probably not. Okay, how many do you think you can get? Okay, um, well, okay, Donovan, Wando, uh, I do believe Giro made it. Um, yep. Uh, That's three out of Jeff nine. Jeff Cunningham. Jeff Cunningham is four. Very good. 
Who else? He, oh, he's, he's another guy who was really good at MLS, but wasn't anything special. Oh, yeah. Although I don't know why nothing. he never played for Jamaica. So whatever. Um, played for the U.S. Taylor Twelman. Taylor Twelman is five. Um, uh, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think. You I'm just, trying to you just, get my you just get my met, forwards in order. You um, just mentioned one. You just mentioned Jaime Moreno. Jaime yeah. Moreno. That's six. So you're three short. And uh, uh, um, uh, I'm currently walking around. I'm not. I'm, I'm not cheating. So. Uh, <laughs> That's, that's and that's that, that's basically it. Um, no, I don't think no McBride and Ronaldo. They never no no. Nah, the, they, you know they, the, they didn't get to that level. The no. three that you're missing are the three I think most people would miss. You want you want some hints? I'll give you a yes. couple hints. Okay, one of them uh, still playing in this league, back with his second stint with the defending champions. For went to Germany for just a brief period of time and played in the second division there. Oh, uh, Edson Buttle. Edson Buttle, that's good. That's seven. You got two more. Um, all right, here's a hit. One's a manager in the league right now. Oh, um, trying to think of forwards. Uh, ben Olsen wasn't a forward, was he? No, no. no but you're, but definitely Eastern Conference. Oh, um, hmm. so not Ben Olsen, uh, no. Jay Heaps? No, 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 think, no, think, uh, all right, well, uh, say, uh, uh, okay, let me see if I can find another MLS hint here, okay, uh, he just played, he just coached against his former team this weekend. Oh, Jason Christ? Jason Christ, Jason Christ scored 108 goals in MLS. The, oh, God, the, the last one, 114 goals in his MLS career, is a gentleman who made most of his name with the fire, but went on to play some other places as well. No, nothing. Oh, that is. That is. This one's going to be. I don't know why. My, my how, mind immediately how, went to Stoichkov, but he, no. he came to MLS as like a 38 year old. How about this? How about this? This this guy shares a first name with a a, a former Canadian international defender who I believe is still active. But maybe not a, an international anymore. Mm. No, he's retired. The guy I'm talking. Okay, the Canadian international's retired. He's a former defender. He played for uh, Chivas USA most recently. But so did so did this Ford actually, and they have the same first name. Oh, okay. Um, oh, he, he, he has a badass name. Um, <laughs> you're so uh, close. I, gotta, uh, I might have to let you go. But you're so uh, close. Ante Razov. Okay, there you right? go. You did it. All nine of them. Very good. Yes, yes. I remember because he has like the coolest name in like in, in U.S. soccer. Well, one of the coolest names. Yeah, but, that's uh, a pretty yeah. good name. He was really – I think people – talk about underrated forwards. And I know we're talking about Juan Olowski today. We're talking about underrated historical MLS forwards. Ante Razov. He's on that list. Absolutely on that list. You got anything else uh, before I let you I go? I, I think MLS romanticizes midfielders more in the early days. You know, it's a very uh, Valderrama, Cienfuegos, right? I mean, we kind oh, of maybe. we don't forget about the forwards, but we like to talk about the midfielders more in you know MLS 1.0 days. It's a good, it's a good point. Well, that's you know that that MLS that uh, DC United team was was midfield heavy. So was that that uh, Galaxy team that you mentioned with Cienfuegos. Obviously, you can't you know Valderrama's Valderrama, and he's uh, not only pulling all the strings for. Uh, for Miami, but his his hair is off the charts, so there's that as well. Um, yeah. So I, I I can see that. I can see that. Vince, appreciate the phone call. Thanks for playing the game, man. Yeah, no problem, Jason. Take there care. Goes, there goes uh, Vince in Toronto. I didn't ask Vince about the the, the BMO thing. Uh, maybe I should. Uh, Rico in Atlanta says that uh, that uh, TFC fans are being babies about this. So stop 
stop crying and whining. I it, look. It's, I don't know that it's necessarily, and I know that this is a small subgroup of fans, so if you want to put this on all TFC fans, I think you're wrong to do so. I'm not sure everybody feels this way. But I think what their issue is isn't necessarily that we have to share. It's that more than likely, the sharing is going to cause problems for our team. Now, if you're talking about just you know sharing and everything's equal and, and neither of them impact each other, then I think that's that's fine. But when you talk about maybe this the turf gets torn up and oh we might have to go back to artificial surfaces now we talked to we had Dwayne Rollins on uh the soccer morning last week and he did say that they're going to go to some sort of hybrid thing and it should hold up or they say it'll hold up but they're going to figure out a way to get rid of the, the lines between matches so that the football lines don't encroach on the soccer games but those are there's a lot of promises that have to be kept for TFC to have their home and for the fans to feel like their sport and their game and their team are the more important of the two tenants because that stadium was built for TFC. That stadium was expanded because MLSE sees some sort of future there. And to have a, an encroacher, and again, I think that we have this weird uh, rivalry between the gridiron version of football, whether it's Canadian or American or college or whatever, and soccer that I don't understand because I like both of them a lot. But that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Robert on Twitter. How can Wando be underrated when he is a DP? I don't think that's necessarily the measure. You can still be underrated and make DP money. And go look Go look at Wando's salary. It's not like he's making real big money. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's on DP level because he earned that. But it's not It's not like, you know, we're, we're not talking about one of the top 10 guys in the league. He's making, as of 2012, he was making 300K. I don't know what his contract is now, but it's probably not much more than that. Do you think that a guy that has that sort of scoring record outside of MLS and signs up to, to come here is going to get 300K? No. No. He's going to get way more than that. Or, you know, at least significantly more than that. All right, maybe he's making more than that now. Maybe he's making 650 now. <laughs> That's of 2014. Okay, so I want to get this right here. He is making a good amount of money. And again, he, he earned it. But I don't know that money necessarily dictates how you're rated by the fans. And I think what Vince is saying is that historically speaking, Wando is going to be underrated when compared to maybe some of these other names. And I think nostalgia plays a role in this too. I mean, we're certainly going to rate some of the original MLS guys, those of us who remember, and even some of the younger people who want to respect that era of MLS. Maybe higher than, there's, there's a recency effect. Except we try to correct for it. So it goes like this. A guy who scored 20 goals last year, is he as, a guy as, as good as a guy who scored 20 goals in 2001, in 2000, in 1998? Probably. He might be, even be better. But we sort of, self-correct for that because we don't want to rate the ones that the players that we've seen most recently over guys that we maybe didn't see happens in this happens in baseball all the time there's a very good chance that right right now playing major league baseball the best baseball players ever like ever not just not just in the last decade not in the last 50 years but ever and that people would are, are very careful to respect the history which i'm fine with it didn't hurt anybody to do that but I think it does impact Chris Wondolowski. And as I said, the man, the man 
plays in San Jose, which is not a big market, doesn't get a lot of attention. He's just such an unassuming guy that I think that plays against him as well. Let's go to Tyler in Virginia. What's up, Tyler? Uh, not too much, man. I just wanted to uh, see if you got a chance to watch the uh, D.C. New England game this weekend. I did not get a chance to watch that. Why don't you uh, why don't you break it down for me? Obviously, a 1-1 draw, which I think for D.C. is fine, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely definitely fine for D.C., but it was, it was a strange game, uh, obviously, because he had the the two red cards for uh, uh, the Rev. Right. But I think what's also funny for me is, is, you know, the takeaways from this game, and even though, um, you know, D.C. is, I guess, my local team, if you will, uh, I kind of came away feeling like uh, New England proved that they were the team to beat in the Eastern Conference, which is what we all said, you know, they would be going into the season. But, I mean, this was kind of, you know, billed as the matchup between, you know, two of the top teams uh, in the Eastern Conference. And before the red cards, I mean, New England was just all over D.C. D.C. Right. couldn't do anything. And it's funny because, you know, over the years, I've kind of seen D.C. struggle uh, when they get pressured. Uh, KC used to do it to D.C. Uh, like, I remember when they won, you know, MLS Cup. Uh, D.C. had a lot of problems with uh, KC's pressure. Same thing with uh, the match on Saturday. DC couldn't get a thing going, you know. They were they were kind of kind of uh, not looking too good, and then the two red cards happened. And so obviously DC now has the ability to play at their tempo uh, and you know find a little bit more space out there uh, with two men being gone. But like I said, the biggest takeaway for me was that New England they just they looked like the team to beat, man. They looked really good when they had uh, all eleven men out there. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking at some of the stats right now, uh, Tyler. And it, it is it is interesting. I mean, you're, you're painting a picture. You watch the game. I certainly trust your judgment here, but it, you're painting a picture of the New England dominating, you know, dominating things or controlling things for a while until the red cards. You look at the the the, the possession breakdown. DC United ends up with sixty four percent possession, and that's entirely because they're up. You know they're they're they have a man advantage and then a two man advantage and that that skews things, so it, it's right. difficult to take a, the the proper picture from this if you're just looking at the at the paper and not looking at the way the game actually played out. What what was the what was the thing that impressed you most about New England? I mean, like they I, they obviously have ton of, tons of talent, uh, and I and I think yeah. it's um, I think it's fascinating the way that they've turned Teal Bunbury into a great winger. They've obviously got Juan Agudelo in this team now. You got Charlie Davies leading the line. Yeah. What was it that they were? I mean, go ahead. They were, they, I mean, on offense going forward, they just they look like a well-oiled machine out there, man. Uh, honestly, before the red card, the the game could have been three three zero New England. Uh, they had several several missed chances. Like they were just you know sending balls into the box, both in the air and on the ground. And I mean, just inches away from from scoring a few goals before the red cards. And I mean that that just really impressed me because DC is an excellent defensive team. And New England was just able to kind of get chances at will out there. Yeah, uh, you obviously, yeah, again, uh, Chris Tierney and Lee Wing going out of that game changed things pretty dramatically. Uh, and yet, DC United was only able to get uh, was only able to get the one goal in the 80th minute from Jairo Arrieta to, to get one point. Um, so, it, uh, you know, in, in you take the draw because it's on the road in New England, Tyler, but at the same time, if you're D.C. United, you're pissed yeah. off. You, you didn't win a game where you had two guys sent off yeah. in, uh, in what yeah. was that, a uh, 10-minute span or whatever that is. Six minutes. Yeah, and I think yeah. for D.C., I mean, it has to be said that, you know, they're missing a spindle and Luis Silva, and D.C., for my money, they never look good. They, aren't, they don't look like the same team without those two out there. Uh, but at the same time, you know, when you're up 
nine against, uh, I mean, 11 against nine, you still always want to get the three points. Yeah. Appreciate the phone call, Tyler. Man, have a good one. All right, you too. Uh, there goes Tyler. That's going to do it for a soccer morning on a Tuesday. Hope your uh, weekend was good, your holiday weekend. Hope you're back into the swing of things. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Soccer Morning on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Thank you very much to David Cartledge for his time and insight today. It was good. It was absolutely fantastic. I'm looking. I'm just looking at scores. Oh, Germany's released their roster. This is the roster that will take on the United States in a friendly on uh, June 10th, and then they've got a qualifier against Gibraltar so uh, that's gonna be pretty pretty easy I'm looking through here Joanne Boateng Jerome Boateng's on this team Mats Hummels uh let's see Rudiger uh Sammy Kadira uh Mesut Ozil Podolski Schurla Schweinsteiger uh Gundogan Gutza Max Cruz from Borussia Mönchengladbach so uh, not not the strongest Germany that, that Germany can put together, but pretty damn strong because, hey, it's Germany. Go to backkill.com slash store and buy yourself a soccer morning mug. It's pretty and it holds coffee. It's great. And then we have the soccer morning T-shirts, which you can get at 3nilfc.com. Thanks again to David Cartledge. Thank you to producer Trevor. Thank you to the callers. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Later.